Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your time to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. To the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Rock Thomas. Rock, what's up, my man? How are you? I am jazzed to be here. Dude, I am jazzed for you to be here. Like, I'm super excited. Rock is, you know, I'll, I'll just sum it up as an entrepreneur because he's going to go into all the numerous things that he's done. And <clears throat> today, folks, this podcast, I have a feeling, is going to be very very exciting, very impressive, very informative, and I am super excited to hear all about yourself, Rock. So I have the first question I have to ask you, and and, and then we'll start wherever you would like. Um, I noticed that there was a, a little segment on your, um, on your uh, website that said, and, and don't Correct me if I'm wrong, but it said something along the lines of was I had to feed 21 horses. Did I get that right? Before I had breakfast, Rock, I mean, I got to ask, what, what does that mean? Well, my parents got divorced when I was five. I lived with my mom for three years. She couldn't handle me. I was a little troublemaker boy looking for attention. So her and my father decided to ship me out to my dad, who had then remarried and lived on a farm. I was eight and a half years old. I came out. I was a city slicker at this point compared to my stepbrothers and sisters. And I got the shift of feeding the horses first thing in the morning. My brother mucked the stalls and my sister did the feeding in the afternoon. And so that was the job. You fed the horses. They needed to have oats. They needed to have water and hay. And you did it every morning, whether 365 days a year, whether you felt like it or not. And the lessons that I got from that were huge. I learned resourcefulness. I learned dependency, commitment, discipline. I learned how to do things when I absolutely did not feel like it. And the power that comes from that, because most people are like, I don't feel like getting up. It's cold. Well, I didn't feel like getting up. It was cold. Plus, I had to walk out in the dark. 
Plus I had to open up a barn and see, you know, rats running and scurrying and scared the crap out of me. There was so many gifts in doing what is difficult in life. Instead of what we try to do these days, we try to make things so easy that people don't become a better version of themselves. And I think they missed the whole point. The happiest times actually are the times like right now we're going through an incredible pandemic. I'm not saying people are happy right now, but they're going to remember it. They're going to feel alive. They're fighting for their life. Some cases, literally some cases, you know, for their businesses and they're banding together and people are friendlier on the streets because there's a sense of we're all in this together. And then people want to move away from that. So I was just blessed that I had a challenging childhood and I reaped some rewards from it. It's, it's funny. So when you say, you know, how much you, uh, you know, you, you valued having to, you know, go out and feed the horses because of all the things that it did for you and all the things that it taught you. I'll, I, I have to be honest for a moment. I, I'm a little bit jealous of that. And I say that because at the time I would have hated it, like I'm sure you did, but I understand what you mean. I understand the power in having the discipline, the power in getting up and doing the things that you're not comfortable doing. And, you know, right now uh, it's interesting, interesting time. People are either excelling or they're completely going downhill or, or maybe everywhere in between. I mean, I don't think anybody knows really where they're going, but I, that is such a powerful thing that happened to you as a, as a young kid. And I'm, I'm so glad that it did because guess what? Now I get to talk to you and, and you get to give me knowledge and, and give some knowledge to the people that are, that are listed rock. So tell me more about, you know, past your, your horse feeding. What did you, uh, did you, um, did you go into real estate right after school or how did that, what was your no. next step? I continued the programming of my brain and my brain was life will be difficult and you're going to have to work hard your entire life. Cause that's what I, the message I saw and the message I was told. Mm. And so I went and I drove taxis. I worked as a flight attendant. I was a bartender. I did carpentry. I did cleaning. I did door to door sales, uh, telephone sales, anything I could work 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Sign me up. I was in because that's what my brain was told. I am. And then when I got into my late 20s, I had a senior citizen home. I had a rental property. Uh, I was working as, uh, you know, guiding the flight, flight attendants in my small airline. My father got sick with cancer. I took time off and very quickly I lost everything. I, I was not able to keep my eye on the ball of taking care of him and managing all the things I had created. I didn't have the ability to create leadership and vision and empower people to take care of things while I was away. So everything fell apart because I was so afraid that I wasn't good enough. I didn't think I was good enough to lead other people. So I didn't lead them. I just let things fall apart. Can I, can I stop you there for just a second? Sure. You know, you've, 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 you've rubbed a really raw spot for me right there. Um, and what I mean by that, and I, you know, I really don't talk about this a whole lot, but for whatever reason, when I moved, when I sold my personal training business and I opened up a hormone replacement clinic and then I departed from that and I started my coaching business, but there's something about this business rock that I, I, I don't 
there's a part of me that doesn't feel like I'm, I'm good enough to lead people. And, and, and I know that's not true, but I have this thought in my head and this, it's almost like a blockage, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I, what I learned is that <clears throat> our brain actually shuffles the negative experiences to the top, kind of like your desktop computer. And it leaves them there so that you don't continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. So let's say you, you were on the phone, multitasking, tying up your shirt, you turn around, you knock the coffee pot over and burnt your, your leg. Well, it's going to shuffle that experience, even though you maybe had 60 days where you just poured yourself a cup of coffee and it was awesome. That day there was a new behavior and it brings it to the top. So you don't do that same thing. So the next time you're in the kitchen and you're on the phone, you're doing a bunch of things. You're like, Whoa, hold on a second here. I, I remember there was some pain. The problem is that this happens with almost everything, right? You get, somebody tells you you're good looking, you're smart, you're funny, you're great. And then one person walks in and goes, yeah, but he's an idiot. And ah, and that stays at the top of your brain for the rest of the day. You replay it over and over again. And if you don't consciously have practices of visualization, gratitude and rituals and stuff like that, that I'm not enoughness, it will rear its ugly head as a way to protect you from being embarrassed, humiliated, shamed, uh, looking stupid, et cetera. So it's a work in process and it's what we call it personal development. But this, you know, this is, you're, 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 God, you're, you're so right because it, it's that fight or flight, right? I mean, it's, it's, or the, or the, or the, um, uh, the, like, like you said, the safety part, they puts that up, up top. So you don't make that mistake again. And I, I'm just not sure what the disconnect with me is because look, I know I have far more knowledge than a lot of people. I don't mean that I'm smarter than everybody right. else by right. any stretch. I just know all the work that I put in and I do the things that you said. I do the visualization. I do my meditation. I do actually I do a form of priming. I do my breath work. I do my journal. But there's a disconnect with me asking, almost like I'm asking for the sale, which is so crazy because I coach people to ask for the sale. Yeah. Well, I honor you for for being vulnerable and transparent on this call for that because we all have these little hidden things. I mean, I had a guy I worked with where he was five years old and every time his dad would leave to go to work, his dad would say, hey, big guy, daddy's going to work and you're the man of the family now. And he started to take this on literally to think that he had to like take the garbage out and he had to, if his mom was in trouble or she couldn't open the jar, he had to. And he realized that he lived this way until he was about 42 years old where he had to be the man to everybody. And he ended up becoming the doormat. He ended up being just like trying to solve everybody's problems until he linked it back to that one time where he really wanted to make his dad proud. But it was a programming that happened in all areas of his life until he started to change that. And we start to put up healthy boundaries and the ability for him to say no. So probably we all have these unconscious little suggestions slash beliefs that are actually running the show. And yeah. we wonder why sabotage ourselves or we don't say yes to the big opportunity or we get on stage and we feel like a false prophet or whatever it is and they're just these suggestions that were embedded usually by the people that we want love from 
This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. So interesting. I want to bring up one more thing. You know, you mentioned I am, and obviously that's a big part of your 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 brand, which I totally understand. But I want to run something past you really quick. Um, uh, so I, I went to AA, which was great for eight and a half years. Now I've been sober uh, almost eleven, but the reason I think you know where this is going. Uh, the reason I stopped going to AA is because I was I realized through my personal development and through learning about the power of I am is that I'm standing up saying I am an alcoholic every time I'm in the room. And, and, and I got to be honest, Rock, that was, it was such a powerful thing for me uh, because I believe now that it keeps people in the program. I would agree with that. I've always had that conversation with people that are higher up and it's a sensitive one because the words that follow I am follow you is what I teach. And that when you say it repetitively, it becomes ingrained as part of your character and you start to believe it. And we can go into Pyg Pygmalion syndrome, the Stockholm syndrome, uh, teachers that believe their students are stupid. They treat them that way. They do poorly. Teachers that believe their students are smart. They treat them that way. They do really well, even though both children scored the same on the test prior to the teacher going in the class. So the expectations matter. The support and courage challenge matters. But the, uh, this whole thing with, and, and I, you know, for AA, I, I'm not going to knock it because it works. I've been given these statistics and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but something like 5% of people that go to AA actually succeed with the system. I think it was seven. It's what I looked at, but okay. either way, five, seven, still not great. It's the same thing with chemotherapy. There's a, you know, a lot of people don't get better with chemotherapy, but when there's nothing and you've got a five or a three or a 7% chance, it's better than nothing. And the other thing is that every organism, once it's, it's growing, even a cancer cell wants to survive and an organism or an organization like AA wants to survive because of community, because of whatever. And therefore, even though if parts of it are not functional, there's still like the Congress where there's big parts that are not functional, there's still parts that it's so hard to break it down because there's so many people involved in it. And I think maybe AA is like that. And again, I'm not knocking it because it works for some people. And if you have nothing else, it's great. But I'm a big believer. I, I quit drinking cold turkey just by listening to a Tony Robbins uh, CD. Uh, I was doing drugs at the time and bam, just like that, by giving a different perspective and better choice and choosing health over feeling sorry for myself. So there's different ways you can get there. You got to choose what works for you. But I was always confused with why would you continually say up? And that, that's like somebody who goes to prison, prison that murdered somebody and stands up every day and goes, I am a murderer, but I'm going to yeah. do 20 years. When I get out, I'm going to not be a murderer. But for 20 years, I'm going to tell myself every day, this is who I am. It doesn't seem to make sense to me. Right. Well, and the brain doesn't even understand the not part. 
It gets right. the I am part, but it does not get the, it doesn't know the difference, you know. Uh, it, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, that's what, yeah, that, that's what they say. And I, 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 I get that. The, I think what, what they're doing in that process is they're saying, I can't handle this alone, right? I'm an alcoholic. I'm releasing to the group, to the higher power, and I'm going to receive help with this. I think that's the intention behind it. Yeah, no, I agree. I was thinking more along the, the I am a murderer and then going, I am not a murderer. Like the yeah. not's not, the not's not right, going right, to be right, hurt. Right. That's what I was, right. uh, yeah. Got you, so, got you. You know, uh, the brain doesn't process that. Um, yeah. I'm a know. loving, kind person. I care about people I don't even know might be a better sentence to have for yourself. I, I used so. to be dependent on some outside source to make myself feel better, whether it's cocaine or drugs or alcohol or pills or whatever. And now today I'm making new choices every day that I'm empowered by, I think would be a better way to do it. But again, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to those meetings and I'm not being asked to make them better. Sure. Well, so Rock, let's talk about that for a minute. You said you've got some drug history. Let's talk about that for a moment. And then let's talk about all the amazing stuff that you've accomplished in your career, because I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed by the way. Well, thanks. I mean, you know, I grew up without, my parents didn't drink and without a TV, so I wasn't exposed to it. Then when I finally got exposed to it around 17 or 18, um, I, I used it as liquid courage because I really did not feel, you know, very confident socially. And that was the extent of it. It was very kind of fraternity kind of, you know, uh, sure, not, sure. not into drugs, no hard drugs then, a little bit of pot. Later, after I got successful in real estate, my mid-30s, late-30s, I thought I was a rock star. You know, I, I got into real estate. I was terrible. I made one sale. Then I got a mentor. I went to 32, 45, 65, 100. I broke every record, bought the company. The company was making $300 million of sales a year. I took it to a billion in four years. And I started to want the next high. So I would go to my, you know, outings and the five to sevens wine and cheeses and and then somebody would say hey man we're going around the back to have a puff you want to come i'd be like yeah of course i'm included i mean i i was a kid that didn't feel included growing up i was a bone dog pizza face outsider so these people wanted me around and all i had to do was take a little puff or snort a little line hey i'm in the in crowd i'm the it so i started doing it and then after maybe six months or a year I really start to realize that I'm a father of young children and this is idiotic. It was fun. Like, okay, once every six months, maybe, you know, in a controlled environment, but now it was turning into, you know, twice a month and I didn't like who I was becoming and I was waking up feeling crappy. And um, I decided to, and that's when I picked up Tony's book, got his CDs and then quit bam like that. So for me, it was just because I was successful and I was looking for the next high and I was partying. Um, and I think that the voice of not being enough is always there for all of us. And we just use different bandages and band-aids. And I continue to use that. Oh, I'll be, I'll be more fun at the party. I'll be, I'll be more connected. I'll be more of something. And that's what I used it for until I realized that it really stole from who I was. It took away from me. And, um, and then I made this shift and I went to a Tony event. Then I went to 19 events in 19 months and became a trainer and bam, 
that's when this journey of personal development went on steroids. Yeah, well, guess what, buddy? Mine started with Tony as well. Um, I went to my first event in 2018, October of 2018, and it was wow. just, it was the most, uh, it was the most moving thing that had ever happened because my clinic that I told you, I mentioned earlier, had closed. Uh, we, my partner and I had departed and I won't go into that story because my listeners have heard it a million times. Um, but essentially, uh, I was supposed to buy my ticket and, and he didn't pay me that day. And my wife decided to contact Robin's research and figure out a deal for me to go and sit in one of the better sections. And she surprised me with it. And it was, you know, it was one of the most powerful things that anybody's ever done for me. And that experience in itself has set me on the road that I'm on now. And it's changed the, the direction of my life. Yeah, totally, totally. It carries with it the opportunity for a new perspective and some new tools that aren't taught in day-to-day -day school. Very true, very true. Would it be great if it was? Wouldn't it be great if they talked about business in school, talked about entrepreneurship, talked about starting a small business? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it, it would be great. And what's great is that people like you and I are having these conversations and we're providing people with access to that information. And I think this whole pandemic is going to force people to be more open to learning online. And like I said to you at the beginning, I, I have an online entrepreneurial school that I've been running for four years. I've created 55 whole life millionaires. And we call them that because they become millionaires without giving up their health or their relationships. And I did that. I Talk about that. that. Oh my yeah. goodness. Let's hear about this. I, I need to, I need to understand what's go what this is. This is yeah. So, I mean, you'll, you'll appreciate this because you're a Tony guy is I've been doing Tony for 20 years. And as a trainer, I would see people that would come get fired up, completely feel like their life has got this whole new possibility go home and then have to deal with their environment, a cesspool of mediocrity, people telling them, why are you drinking this green drink? Why are you listening to these CDs? Come out and have a beer on Friday night. Why are you working so hard? And they would come back a year or two later in the hope of getting a hit so they could reestablish their, their vision of who they thought they could be and then foray into the negativity of their environment. And I watched this year after year after year after year, and I watched myself progress because I was doing the practice at home. And I thought, this is bullshit. I got to create an environment. So eight years ago, I got six guys together. We created a tribe called Go Abundance, a tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous men that choose to lead epic lives and don't apologize for being awesome. And we supported each other and encouraged each other to have success. And we also encouraged each other to be better in the different areas of our life, which was our health and vitality and the communication with our family, mostly our spouses, because a lot of us were so good at business that we had put that um, a little bit on the back burner. It was still very valuable to us, but we were, we were so interested in being you know, the, the, the caretaker of the family and being successful there. And we met our needs there, met our human needs. You know, We were significant, we were in control, go home sure. and piss the wife off and not be patient with the kids and you feel like a schmuck, you want to go back to the office before you can win. So we started to put all these things together. Long story short, we brought in different teachers like Robert Kiyosaki, Robert Hertzberg from Shark Tank and um, Ed Milet and different people. And 
it's grown now to over several thousands with different divisions. So we have for ladies only, we have for couples, we have for those people that aren't millionaires yet that are charging forward. We have people that are multimillionaires that are shepherding and herding and, and modeling and mentoring for the people upcoming. But the bottom line is we all share this common theme is we want to live a full adventurous life and not wait till we're 65 to do the really cool shit. And in order to do that, you must create passive income vehicles. You can't be trading time for money forever. You'd be a doctor making 400 bucks an hour or $2,000 in surgery. But when you go on vacation, your revenue stops. So we just collected people that were really good at that. So a lot of us are good at real estate. We've written books. We sell online products. We have courses that are evergreen. And then we show each other how to do that. And we just win at the game of life. Gosh, that's really cool. So it was almost like the six guys were your, your mastermind alliance. Yeah, exactly. Essentially. And, yeah. and that's how it grew. Wow. That's I mean, it's a true testament to, you know, everything that, you know, I mean, this is exactly what I'm reading right now, which you'll appreciate. I'm certain of it. Yeah, of course. I mean, and, you know, it, it's just, awesome. I, I a classic and i love i love that i love their stuff i love napoleon hill stuff and and andrew carding of course um so how long did it take so so your six guys got together you had a mastermind meeting so to speak and then what did you do from there yeah um so he invited 17 guys actually together to his house and he said do you want to get together and hang out ski up in colorado and we'll talk about business success and we'll play cash flow quadrant and we'll hang out and stuff. So I said, yeah, of course I'm in. And he goes, but you didn't even ask me how much it costs. I go, what, what does it matter? I'm going to hang out with 17 cool ass guys in Colorado. I'm going to stay in your 6,000 square foot home and I'm going to go skiing. Well, and only an idiot would ask what it cost. And he looked at me and goes, I really like you. And so I went there, it cost us, I think, 750 bucks. You had a chef that came in, we hung out. And there's something that happens, especially for men, is when you do a physical activity and then you, you, know, you play frisbee or football or you go skiing or hiking or something, men open up more. We tend to be a little bit more reserved. So we start to open up in the evenings. We were doing mastermind sessions and people were just flowing in conversation and talking to each other about their business ideas and getting perspectives and insights. We started doing little five minute talks and presentations and telling people how they could be better communicators and leaders. And some of us were professional speakers, so we could do a good job at that. And what we saw was just like Napoleon Hill talks about in that mastermind alliances is you actually get access to other people's wisdom for free. You yeah. give a little bit of wisdom to other people. And rather than get coaches, which we all had, we had now this, mastermind alliance of all these people that had an interest in pushing you and being pushed. And therefore we could call each other out when we were playing small and yeah. people like that. If you're, if you're a competitive person and you're hungry for to live a great life and somebody goes, Hey, that's bullshit, man. You're playing, you, I th you know, I'm calling you out right now, bro. That's you're playing small. When you go home to your wife, you really want to tell her that you decided that you were going to sleep in and not get up and come snowshoeing with us. That's not you at your higher self, dude. Now get, get, get up. And guys that want to live a full life, they actually like that. 
see, I, I, I'm, yeah, I love that. Like, I, 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 I love that. And, and it's just li literally living proof that this thing works. It's amazing, you know, when you get like-minded people together, oh. the, the stuff that can happen is just unreal. Yeah, and time disappears, Corey. You start getting into this flow and you start talking about cool stuff. And, and when you're in an environment where everybody agrees that we're going to look for the solution and not, you know, the problem and not, not, not pick on each other, but rather lift each other up, then you feel safer. And when you feel safer, you flow and you open. And all of a sudden now it's a party all night long with no booze and no, no drugs. And it's awesome. Yeah. Is the, it absolutely is. It's, it's incredible. And, and, and this, it is so funny how our brains work because I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, we were doing our RTA syndicate. We were doing a, a, a North Carolina uh, event. And I know you know what the RTA syndicate is. And so we were, we met and I really didn't want to go. I, I, I was just, I was feeling like off. I, I didn't even, you know, it's a one day thing. I just, I was like, ah, oh, I just you know, I don't feel like going to Greensboro. My wife's like, look, tomorrow you are going to get up and go and you're going to meet the exact person that you need on your podcast. And I'm like, I already know the people that's going to be there. And she was like, just fine. Just listen to me. <laughs> sure as shit. So I go, so, so Chris Saunders, a good friend of mine, he, he asked me to ride with him and I got there and sure enough, Vaughn, you know, you know, Vaughn Kohler, um, Vaughn was there. And, and so I got to ride with Vaughn the whole way there and the whole way back and talk to him and get to know him very well. And out of that meeting, all kinds of stuff has happened. And yes, I've had him on my podcast, but not just that, but like I bonded with him. I made a relationship with him, not just with him, but with several people there. And, and some of those people have really held me very accountable and I'm glad I went, you know, yeah. it's doing the, the things push that, from your yeah, girl. Absolutely. And it's just doing the things that you don't feel like doing sometimes, you know, it just is uncom being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Totally. So uh, you mentioned something a second ago. I was going to ask you, you hit, you did say you had written some books, right? Or eight? Yeah, so I've written, yeah, I've written three books. Uh, the Power of Your Identity was the first one, The Words That Follow, I Am Follow You, and How to Change the Labels That Don't Serve You into Labels That Are Empowering. Go from working hard to working smart, from ugly, as I saw myself, to ruggedly handsome. And you can shift those identities. And you can see, and I, I don't, I just say this as an example, is, I mean, just look at somebody's physiology if I say, you know, I'm ugly, or if I say I'm ruggedly handsome, you can see if you're paying attention, I'm congruent. I'm yeah. Not, oh, yeah. Right? Yes, I can. To, I'm not, right? I'm not trying to prove it. I'm not trying to, to convince myself. It's just, it's come from me feeling that way for, for quite a while now. And if oh. I said I'm a billionaire, well, no, not so congruent. <laughs> Multimillionaire, yes. So you can help evolve your identity over time. And you know what? I was not a very compassionate, sympathetic person uh, growing up. I grew up in a tough environment and I was a bit of a dick. And I've learned how to develop that part of myself and be much more considerate to other people's feelings that didn't come from the same programming I came from. 
Sure. But I had to be intentional with that, Corey. I had to give it energy. I had to give it life. I had to nurture it and, and develop that part. So somebody who's sitting there going, yeah, well, I'm not a hard ass. I can't push through. And, you know, I don't have the hunger and desire of some other people. You can develop it. You know, you can nurture it. You can get yourself into an arena where that, that grows and you, and you find that part of yourself. So that's, that was that book. And the second book, Your Epic Life Blueprint, I wrote it because after coaching people over and over and over and over again, I used to speak and then come back with like 30 new clients and I'd walk around my pool in Florida and all day long coaching people over and over. And I started to notice there was a pattern, Corey, of this, I would say the same things. Sure. I would give them the same resources. You need to be spending 30 minutes a day at putting something intelligent in your brain, not just, you know, radio and, and TV. Okay. You need to set some goals, have a plan and execute and follow these five steps in order to make sure you stay on path. Okay. You need to be able to reframe things when things go badly. You need to be able to believe that you'll figure it out. You need to be able to increase your, um, your net worth, not just your cash flow, but your net worth and develop assets. So I put 10 of them together the ones that were most valuable, that the most successful people used and wrote a book about it, created a course around it. And now, you know, thousands of my students will, they'll go, oh yeah, well, you better rule number nine that. Barack was here, be rule number nine. So they, they use them as a way to stay on the path of success. The same way, you know, your mom and dad said things to us that are meant to guide us. Like, don't talk to strangers. You're walking down the road and you want to talk to a stranger and you have a quote and it says, don't do that behavior. Stay within the guardrails of this better behavior. So I developed these guardrails of better behavior for success. And that's what that book's about. So really quick before you go to, into your third book, I think that's, yeah, I love that you said that, that exact sentence. You said, don't talk to strangers. That my belief is that that is why our society has a problem with sales. Yeah. Is because as a, or at an early age, we were told, don't talk to strangers. In yeah. Iraq, nobody ever said, it's okay to talk to strangers. So yeah. we never had permission. And so I think that's a re the reason we have a hard time reaching out to people on the phone now. Instead of, a te you know, instead of a text message, you know, pick up the phone and call somebody. I think that's the reason why we struggle with that. It's definitely one of them, right? When we work with people, you find what is the belief that's holding them back. And the belief there is mom and dad said, be a nice person. Don't, don't be rude and interrupt a stranger or whatever that went with that sentence, right? Or careful, talk to strangers, you'll be taken advantage of. But the seed was planted, that belief is there, and now you have to override it every time you're going to talk to a stranger because your brain remember i said it sifts the negative things up top it's sifted to serve you and it said like if, if especially if you're a woman in sales and you go door to door knocking she's going to be thinking at every door might i get raped might i get taken advantage of if i get pulled into the house will i be safe so it serves her to be cautious and to look around but for most people it takes them out yeah, it stops them from taking the action because they don't have enough figured out enough ways to override that and take control back. Yeah, well, they're, I think their mind saying there's more risk than there is reward. Yeah, you know, essentially yes. Yeah. So tell me, okay, what was the name of that book? The, the second one you just said. Your epic life blueprint. 
Epic Life Blueprint. Cool. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, number three. What's your third book? So number three is a three-in-one journal. It's a planner, it's a journal, and it's a agenda. Okay. And this way you can have, because I, I know, I'm sure you journal, right? Yes. So, right. And I don't know if you still, I use Google Calendar, but I also still like to use, you know, the old fashioned agenda kind of a book. You can't really see it here. I can't, but, yeah, I can't. Um, it's just an agenda where I write in and I look at my week and I see what I have going on and I can like take a, notes. A cubby. Can, yeah, a cubby? Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a cubby, except okay. I created my own. So I took Tony Robbins RPM, Stephen Covey's, um, you know, time management system, and then uh, the Pareto Principle, eighty twenty. Gary Keller's one thing. Pulled the best out of that. Created my own book where you can journal, goal set and have an agenda all in one so I don't have to carry three books around. That's a great idea. And what's the name of that? So this is called, um, call it, I think, your Epic Life Planner. All right, and so just really quick, where can people find these three items? Um, you can go to Amazon for the first two and get okay. them. Uh, the third one, I think you have to come directly to our website. We use it mostly internally for our um, students and stuff like that. So um, they would, uh, we would send them a PDF uh, and they could print it out themselves. So, yeah, that, um, so that's really cool. Up. If they're hungry enough, they got to hit me up. Yeah, for sure. That's super cool. I love the fact that you put it all into one because you're totally right. I have three or four different things that I write in. Yeah, and you know I'm ADD, so God knows that makes it even worse. Seems like totally. so. Um, <laughs> so funny. Um, okay, so you you've spoken with you spoke you you're a speaker, and you've spoken numerous times, right? And you've spoken with really pretty big name people, and you've already listed off a few. Um, uh, so the event, sorry, I'm all over the place. Let's go back for a moment. The, the event where you said you had had the bigger, like you'd had Ed Milet, because obviously he's somebody that I value. Uh, you had him come to a, is it, is it a, um, something you set up? Is that what that was? Yeah. So we do about 25 events a year for oh, my wow. mastermind groups. Okay. And depending on what we do, we bring in different speakers. So, uh, we had Ed just recently at our winter retreat in Aspen, Colorado. And we will do events that are anywhere from two to, to 11 days long. Um, and one is an international trip that is 11 days long. The other ones are typically three or four days. And we do always something that's fun. So we ski or mountain bike or kayak in the fjords or climb Machu Picchu in Peru but we do it with the intention of high-minded conversations on the bus rides and on the walking. So we have a card game, we ask questions and get around the campfire and we pull out our goal setting devices and we share what our vision is and we get feedback and have people punch holes in our next business opportunity until we refine it until it's bulletproof. So it's, um, it's a really cool environment of learning and sharing and caring for each other while, um, while doing bucket list adventures. That's super cool. So how many people do you have at your 25 events? 
So it varies anywhere. Like we may have some that are member led. So let's say a guy goes, oh man, I really want to go golf Pebble Beach. And uh, I got a contact for that and I can get uh, eight spots. He'll float the idea in the community and the first eight guys that say yes, they'll go off and do that. And they'll have a great time. At our big winter treat events, we have about 150 to 200 that show up. And that's more of a conference type of an idea. We rent homes like in Mexico uh, in March, we rent four homes last was worth 38, uh, $38 million. They're on cliffs and stuff. And, and uh, we all, they all sleep together. And then we converge on one house and we do the content in the evenings. So it's really fun way to hang out. It's very immersion type. It's, it's your, you're all in yoga, meditation in the morning, healthy food, and then um, play during the day. And we mastermind at night. That's cool, dude. That's so cool, man. That's super cool. I, I'm so shocked. I haven't heard about this, but that's like, that is super cool. It's amazing that you do 25 a year. You know, that seems like a lot more than a lot of people do. Um, but I guess, like you said, you know, some, some are optional, obviously. Um, and then oh, yeah. some people, people yeah, people will not go, definitely not go to the mall at the beginning. I went to most of them and then it was just, it, it, it grew too much. So now we have different leaders of different segments. So we have uh, a CEO that runs the GoBundance one. I have a COO that runs the M1 March to Your Millions. We have a lady that runs the, the ladies division. We have somebody that runs the family division. So each one of these divisions might do four or five a year. Okay. That add to the 25. And I'm, I'm in charge of one of them, but I've you know, I've cast a shadow or contributed to the, to the vision of all of them on, in some way, shape, form, or another. But that's the beauty of the mastermind group is you find people are willing to step up and lead and, and then they run off in this direction. And we have kids that are learning how to do hard money loans at the age of 12 and talking about, you know, assets, learning how to speak publicly in front of adults, getting feedback from their peers. So they're getting rid of the biggest fear, which is public speaking. So we're trying to give these kids the edge right? And teach them different things. I have alopecia, which I lost all my hair to, um, to alopecia when I was 40. And one of the kids in one of these families had alopecia. So I was invited as a speaker specifically for him. And I was able to talk about how, you know, there's an edge to everything. I'll never have a bad hair day. Nope. <laughs> right? I get yeah. quick, I get ready quicker than most people and I don't spend money on shampoo. So when I was able to change his perspective, even though he's a kid and he wants hair, I get that. But to, just to give him another perspective on how he could see the world, this is the type of thing that gives children confidence. And so we're hitting on a different, a lot of different levels. It's, it's, it's really nice to see. And perspective is one of the things that I have really thought a lot about recently because really your perspective determines how your brain processes, you know, things. I mean, you know, I, it's just like my perspective on not wanting to get up that day and go to the thing. Yeah. And, and now looking back, I wouldn't miss another one. Right. You know, because my perspective has changed. Yes. So that's, um, so, uh, gosh, you mentioned alopecia. Um, please forgive me. I'm not sure. I don't, I've heard the name, but I don't really know what that means. Basically, when you've experienced high level of stress or you didn't know how to handle it, a fuse goes in your operating system and it says we're going to cut off the energy supply to creating hair. 
and we're going to use it to deal with the stress that this your body's going through or whatever. I went through a divorce. I had a bunch of things happen. I wasn't handling it well. And my body just said, hey, dude, we're shutting off service to this area of your body. It doesn't do anything else. And except it's frightening when it's happening because you don't know what it is. And people are asking me, are you dying of cancer? What's going on? And I, you know, even if you're not, just answering the question creates doubt. So I started to feel stressed out. And then I started to get doctors and opinions. And for a while, I couldn't function until I discovered what it was, reframed myself, and then went from, you know, I had to reshape my identity again because I had just, you know, really created this ruggedly handsome guy. And I had, you know, I was, I'm Dutch, so I blonde and blue eyes. And so I identified with that. And now I had to change it to bald and beautiful. So, (laughs) I love that. That's fantastic. So that's life, right? It's life is just keep on adapting and evolving. And fortunately I had the tools to do it. And you know, the funny thing is I was so vain that two years before it happened or a year and a half before it happened, I went and got a hair transplant. So I, (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. What happened? It fell out too. Well, so I get, I have this big scar across the back of my head that was covered by my hair. Right. And then the, the following year, all my hair starts falling out. So not only do I not have the hair, I just paid like six grand to have brought from the back to the front. I now have this huge line across the back of my head that everybody's like, what the fuck is that? Oh, so I have to explain that, you know, I was so, you know, so ego driven and then I wasted my money and then God basically slapped me around and said, look, we made you just perfect the way you are. You don't need to make all those changes. So it was, you know, life, there's so many lessons you get in life and they, they, the hits keep on coming if you're out there playing. So the ability to reframe yourself, as you know, is so important. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's so important. Um, so, uh, Brock, what, um, what's been, do you think, the most impactful thing that you've done in your career? or life slash personal development, whatever it is, what, what sticks out in your mind when I ask you that question? I, you know, I really think that, you know, what's useful to people is your ability to say thing. Yes. to things that are just outside of your reach is going to cause you to find the courage and make you feel alive, which most people don't feel very alive. Um, that really served, served me. I mean, to give an example, when this guy, David said, Hey, you want to come to my house and mastermind? I said, yes, I didn't ask for the details. When my owner mentor asked me, do you want to buy the company that you're a salesperson for? I said, yes, without knowing the details. Yes. Gets you into the conversation of possibility. And most people say no, cause they don't know the how, and they miss out on a ton of opportunities. I ended up on Celebrity Prentice about four years ago because I said yes to getting on a plane with a friend and that turned out into an opportunity for him to get on Celebrity Apprentice. He turned to me, he goes, you want, you want to get on? And I'm like, hell yeah. And so we flew straight out to LA and got on you know, Donald Trump Celebrity Apprentice. So saying yes, trusting your intuition and then figuring out the details, the how, the obstacles, the pain, et cetera, later, 
is what's allowed me to continually be in this growth mode and get opportunities other people have passed by. And I would invite people to you know, really access courage and start saying yes to more things. So let me ask you a question on that very subject. So what, how do you handle, and maybe you don't have to handle this, right? So I'm a very much so like you. When, when somebody asks me to do something, uh, I feel like there's a reason why I'm being asked to do it. Mm -hmm. And, and so I will often say yes to things without knowing the details. And I believe the reason that I have uh, grown as much as I have is because of that. So how do you handle, you know, being around people that maybe don't want to say yes and that want to question the process or question the how, or how, how are you, how can you even consider doing that? right now because of the xyz and and, and because i but but my answer is because i believe that it's going to work how i don't know but i just believe it's going to work you know you're going to have to make some tough decisions in life and one of them is who you're going to spend time with and most people are not very intentional about it you know they they talk to their neighbor all the time maybe they even have street barbecues with their neighbor just because they happen to live there that's one way to choose people you're going to spend time with. The other way is to be intentional about it and find out what people's values are and then hang out with them. So I seek people that are learning based, that are curious, that are hardworking and that have the desire to celebrate my successes and are interested in sharing their successes with me so I can celebrate. And when you start to hang around with those people, you have less of that conversation. That being said, you know, wherever you go, whatever you do, I go golfing and I golf with people I don't know. And some of them are, you know, really incredibly positive and some of them are not. And so then I have to deal with that. Or some of them, you know, do things that bother me. They play their music on the cart and they talk in my backswing. And, and part of me wants to go like, you know, is my swing getting in the way of your conversation, buddy? Or do I tell myself nothing can bother me? All Ooh. of this, all of this is just preparing me to be an even better, more focused human. So when, when people are negative around you, they're just teachers. And you have to decide to what level you want to graduate the lesson. Or do you want to just repeat that lesson over and over and over again and complain about it and go, I hate my teacher and I hate this math class and I'm not very good at math and blah, blah, blah. Or you go, oh, spontaneous math class in the middle of my golf game. Cool, right? So that's when I'm in my higher self, that's more where I gravitate, gravitate to when I'm not, and I'm maybe low on energy or frustrated or not where I want to be, then I descend to my lower self and I'm a dick like anybody else. You know what's so ironic? You, that description or example with the golf swing was perfect for me because I've golfed since I was a small child. And I, you know, I just, I, when you painted the picture, I pictured myself in that situation and I don't know that I would have handled it like you handled it. I think I would have probably been so irritated that I, it would have, it, it could, I think it probably would have taken me off of my game to the point that there was a slice or a hook coming guaranteed because I'm not thinking about my shot. I'm thinking about the person talking, which is ridiculous because they're sure as hell not thinking about me in my shot. I should be thinking about me in my shot. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Fantastic way to look at it. I'm not saying I always look at it that way. That's my goal. That's my intention. And sometimes, you know, after I hit and, you know, you have that conversation where you're like, should I tell them? Should I wait? Should I hit? I'll just hit. You hit. You hit it well. You're like, I'm a badass. You hit it poorly. You kind of look over at them like, ah. and you're like, you want to say something you don't, or maybe sometimes you do. So, I, you know, I, I have all of them, but I'm, I'm a little more conscious than I used to be. And, um, and sometimes, yeah, I'm like blaming somebody because I didn't play as good as I could have. But, I'm, you know, I'm human like anybody else. Absolutely. Well, um, Rock, gosh, man, this has been such an incredible interview. I, I really didn't know, um, you know, I'd read through your stuff, obviously, and just, you know, skimmed through it. And, and, and I was so excited about to talk to you today. And I, and I say that, I don't say that to everybody um, because... I, well, I mean, for the most part, actually, one person, there's only been one person that I've ever interviewed on my podcast that sucked. And so, and, and I say that because, you know, she wasn't into the podcast. And like, if you're not into it, don't, don't get on the damn podcast. Yeah. You know, and I mean, Absolutely. you know, I didn't say anything to him, but like, it's just like, you know, whatever. So listen, man, this has been fantastic. I have thoroughly enjoyed this and thoroughly enjoyed learning more about you. I could probably keep you on here for the next two hours, but I will not do that. I'm trying to be more conscious of people's time. So Rock, can you do me a favor, please? And just tell everybody where they can find you, where just list off your books one more time. So that way everybody gets a list of those and uh, anything else that you would like to say uh, to the folks that are listening. Um, that maybe are stuck or, or, or that maybe are thinking, you know, I, I can't be one of these guys. I can't be the host of a podcast or I can't be rock who also is a host of a podcast, but I can't be one of these people. I, you know, I just, that's just not me. Yeah. Well, you're speaking right into that phrase of identity. Like it's, you know, if you've ever been at a wedding party and somebody says, Hey, you want to dance? And you hear somebody go, Oh no, I don't dance. I think that everybody loves to dance. The child in you wants to dance, but you've been given some feedback that you're not a good dancer. You're two left feet. You're going to look silly, whatever. I'm, I'm dating, you know, my girlfriend is a um, national champion ballroom dancer and I have to get my courage up to go dancing with her in front of people because she's world-class. It's like, it's like taking out a Ferrari, but not knowing how to use the clutch and looking like an idiot. So I have my own, you know, bullshit up here going on for a different reason than something else. But there will always be a reason to say no. There will always be a reason to say I'm not that. And that is the journey of the hero. The journey of the hero is to say, look, this is how I see myself today, but it doesn't have to be how I am forever. How do I want to show up? How do I want to respond to this moment? Surround yourself with great people that are going to encourage you. Hey, you know what? Go and just get on the dance floor, have some fun. Just move any way you want, man. We're just here to have a good time. And we don't make each other feel safe enough. One of the things I love about your interviewing style is you're present to the conversation. And the next question come, becomes almost organic from where the conversation has gone which takes a lot of courage because it means you don't know exactly where we're going to end up or what have you, but it allows me to just go wherever I want to go without being too scripted, which I think is really serves your listeners. 
I really, really appreciate that. And it's so, you have given so many examples today that literally speak straight to me. And I'll tell you really quick why I say that. Um, I was dating a lady that was four, uh, 11 years older than me. And she was a West, she did West Coast Swing. And she had been doing West Coast Swing for four years. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to learn how to do this fucking West Coast Swing shit. And I'm, I'm going to get to her level. Well, you and I both know that ain't going to happen. <laughs> that is typically impossible unless she quits. Right. Right. Um, and so I took lessons, oh my God, for three hours every single week, four hours, one in group, three privates to get to this competition that I didn't even really want to do yeah. uh, because dancing is not exciting to me. I don't love it. Right. Um, and I had to dance with a person that I didn't even really care for. I don't even know who she is really, but damn, if I didn't come in second place. Wow. Right. And I was like, I, I, I was the, it was one of the most nerve wracking things <laughs> I right? ever done. Crazy nerve wracking. It is. It is. It's, it's like public speaking, man. You're right out there. Oh, right out man. there. That's the truth. So uh, if you could list off your books again for me. And... Yeah. So the best thing is for people can go to rockthomas.com. You'll get a pop-up for my first book for free. They can go there, download it and start working on some of the processes to change their identity. Um, and you can go to Amazon, Google Rock Thomas, you get the other books. Um, and then, you know, if, if you, you can go to the I Am Movement podcast, and you can hear some of my stuff there. But ultimately, here's what I will say is we're all in a different part of the journey. Some of us are, if it's Mount Everest as a metaphor, some of us are at base camp. Some of us are just thinking of getting our shit together and get our gear together. And we don't even know what we don't know. Other people have tried to climb Mount Everest seven times, but they hate their guide. So they keep on firing their guide and they have a better way. There's all these different ways that we're living this thing called life. <clears throat> My goal is to meet people where they're at. And if you're at base camp and your goal is to meander the quiet way up the mountain, Cool, we got, we got something for that. You wanna take the steep path and you wanna blaze a trail and you wanna to get to the top fast, we got you know, options for that too. So after doing this for a long time, I really like to find out what the person's real goal is, get, help them get clear, and then give them the map to execute upon. And that's the journey that's really satisfying to me is to help create leaders because if I help make you a better man, not that I, I have the tool, I'm saying I'm better, I'm just saying I've studied what's worked for a lot of people, then you have an impact on your family. You have an impact on the generations to come with your children, that you're more patient, you're better guided, you're doing your things, you, know, you don't suffer from too many addictions, then that has a lasting long-term effect. And that's my legacy, is to help people become better versions of themselves so they impact their family and their businesses and the people around. And really, you know, it boils down to becoming that best version of yourself, really. It's really I it. mean, it's really it really it. is. And people That's what like I say is, you know, live your best life. And we can compare and we can do all those things. It just usually pisses you off. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're unique. I'm unique. And the more that we can appreciate each other's uniqueness and have a good time with it, be playful, curious, fun-loving, helpful, kind, um, challenging, 
also it's not always about the soft stuff. It's also about like, hey, listen, motherfucker, you know what? I see more of you in that. Now get your ass back out there. We need you on the team. Let's go. And that's right. sometimes that's what it takes, right? Is somebody that you don't want to let down asking you to step up. And then you're like, oh my God, I cut the winning touchdown or I, you know, I closed the deal or I stood up and ran the meeting while so-and-so had to run out and get his kid. And you're like, I'm part of something that matters. And that's so fulfilling. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I have to tell you this really quick. Um, I, when I, the last time that I went and uh, I, uh, volunteered for Tony, I got to be, and you'll, you'll appreciate this because you've been to so many events and you, uh, you were a trainer, but I got to be the, the, the celebration person. And like, to me, I, I've, you know, I prime, I still prime every morning. That's my meditation. And I know you know what that means. Um, so I was, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, I got to catch the people at the end and it was so powerful and so amazing and so moving to me. I've gotten to look at that many, many times. So Rock, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You've been fantastic. I can't thank you enough, brother. Have an awesome day. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed, you know, your candor and your beautiful smile and your energy. Uh, it, I felt like I was in your living room and just having a really good conversation uh, over a cup of tea with you. So, so thank you for your beautiful soul. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.